Greetings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Sunday School Podcast for November 5th, 2023. This is the Sunday of the observance of the Festival of All Saints, which was actually celebrated on November 1st. It's also the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost, so the year is going by. This week, as we continue our exploration of 120 Bible stories, we arrive at the story of Abraham and Isaac in Genesis chapter 22. And if you have the textbook handy from Concordia Publishing House, this is 120 Bible stories, story number nine, page 26. All right, so starting at Genesis 22, verse 1, we read, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and arose, and went to the place of which God had told him. So this chapter begins with, after these things, and I suppose we could look at the things of chapter 21 then. Um, At the start of 21... Isaac is born, and remember, Isaac is born to Abraham and Sarah when Abraham is 99 and Sarah is 90 years old. This is a miracle child. Sarah's been barren, but for years and years they've had God's promise that they would have a son, and finally Isaac is born. Of course, Abraham has another son named Ishmael. who was born to Hagar, Sarah's wife, with Sarah's permission and and urging of of Abraham. Um, Ishmael, I think, is about 14 years older than Isaac is. And so after Isaac is born and starts to grow up, um, Ishmael doesn't care for Isaac too much and bullies him a bit. And so Sarah tells Abraham to cast out Hagar and Ishmael. And actually, the Lord says that that's that's fine with him. He'll take care of Hagar and Ishmael. And so uh, Hagar and Ishmael depart from the scene. And um, Ishmael will grow up to be a, a mighty man and the father of princes. After that, there's also a, a bit of a showdown with, um, with a, a local ruler named Abimelech. And it's not much of a showdown because while Abimelech has power, he knows that Abraham has God's favor. And so actually Abimelech and Abraham seek to get along with each other. And where there's tension, they kind of resolve that through um, through um, gifts to each other and, and through making promises to each other. And then after Abraham has spent many days with the Philistines, we arrive at our story and this start with after these things. Now, how long after is a question here because Isaac is born at the start of Genesis 21 and then at the start of Genesis chapter 23, Sarah, Abraham's wife and Isaac's mother, dies. 
And she dies at the age of 127 years old, which means between the birth of Isaac and the death of Sarah, 37 years have gone by. So, how old is Isaac when, uh, when the story in Genesis 22 takes place? We don't know his age, but general speculation is that Isaac is a young man. Why? Because there's this 37-year time that goes by, and because in the course of the story, Isaac is able to carry the wood for his sacrifice up the hill, which means he's, uh, he's mature enough to be a young man with, with a lot of strength um, to, to perform that task. So years have gone by. There's speculation that Isaac was was perhaps 20 years old. Uh, some early church fathers weighed in and said that he was 33 years old, um, which is possible and a little bit cute because that would make him the same age as Jesus when he was sacrificed for our sins. But at any rate, um, after years have gone by, after Abraham and Sarah have gotten to know and delight in their son Isaac, the long-awaited son whose name means laughter, God commands Abraham to take his son, his only son Isaac, whom he loves, and offer him as a burnt offering. Now, the location of this sacrifice is to be the land of Moriah. And that's an interesting note because later on in 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1, we find out that Solomon builds the temple on Mount Moriah, which means this land of Moriah where Isaac is to be sacrificed is where Jerusalem and the Temple Mount will be in the future. In other words, the sacrifice is to take place where Jesus himself will later be sacrificed for the sins of the world. Also, the Lord commands Abraham to offer Isaac as a burnt offering. Now, different sacrifices are offered with fire to God, and this will all be codified later on in the book of Leviticus. A burnt offering, however, is a, a special type of offering that is offered with fire in that it is entirely consumed and offered to God in total. In other words, with, with some offerings, like, say, I believe the peace offering, the, uh, the, the priest would offer um, some of the meat to, uh, to God as part of a, uh, of a sacrifice with fire, and, and the rest would be returned to the family for them to, to, um, to serve as a meal and, and rejoice in God's provision of, of, of daily bread. With a, quote, burnt offering, end quote, that's a technical term, which means that this offering will be given fully and totally to God. Now, yes, if it is in fact going to happen that Isaac is, uh, is sacrificed to God as a burnt offering, Abraham would not want part of his son back. But that's not really the point. The point is that this son is to be totally given to God. A complete sacrifice is what God commands. Now, this story does not record Abraham's emotional reaction. 
So that's given to us to kind of imagine, not not dogmatically. We can't we can't uh, know for sure all of what he feels and thinks. It's got to be gut wrenching though. After waiting so long for a son with Sarah to be told by God to to sacrifice this child, nevertheless, we read in verse three that Abraham rises early in the morning, gets ready, and they're off. Because God has commanded that Isaac be sacrificed and Abraham is going to trust in God's command because he also trusts in God's promises. So he departs with two young men, with Isaac and with wood for the burnt offering. And so they leave for Mount Moriah. Picking up at verse 4, then, On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Hmm, that's interesting. Abraham says the young men, Stay here. Isaac and I are going over there, and then we, plural, he and I, will come back to you. Why does Abraham say that? Is he simply lying to his servants because he knows if he says, I'm going to go kill Isaac, they'll probably try to stop him? Easy to think that way, but actually, no. Abraham has the command to sacrifice Isaac, but he also has the promise from God that through Isaac will be born this great nation. Through Isaac will come Abraham's descendants like the sands of the seashore or like the stars of the sky. So whatever God has commanded, he is also promised. And since Isaac has no wife and children yet, If God is going to keep that promise that through Isaac this great nation will come about, Abraham knows that whatever happens on that mountain, he's bringing his son back home. Even if Isaac dies, well then, God has to raise him from the dead so that this great nation can come forth. So, um, whatever else, it appears that Abraham is trusting in God's promise as he tells his servants to wait, and he and Isaac move forward for the sacrifice. Verse 6, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife, so they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. So as Abraham and Isaac journey up this hill in the land of Moriah, they're pretty, pretty heavily weighed down. Um, Abraham has, uh, 
has the knife and he has the um, he has the fire to start the sacrifice. Isaac, meanwhile, is is bearing this uh, this load of wood for uh, for um, for making the burnt offering. But while they're heavily laden, they're still missing something, an animal for sacrifice. And you've got to wonder how, uh, how gut-wrenching it is for, for Abraham when Isaac says, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham just replies, God will provide for himself a lamb. Is that Abraham's guess? That God will provide a lamb? Is it, uh, is it just to, to um, defer the topic to perhaps the obvious? We don't know. Nevertheless, no matter what Abraham knows in verse 8, he's speaking prophetically because God will provide a lamb, a really big one. Verse 9, when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now stop for a second with that verse and remember this. Best guess is Abraham is probably about 120 years old because Isaac is probably about 20 years old. So Isaac is like at the physical peak of manhood. Abraham is probably kind of old and creaky by this point. I mean, he's described as as good as dead when it comes to conceiving Isaac in the first place. The point is this. This sacrifice will only happen if the son cooperates with the father. If Isaac is unwilling to be sacrificed... He can run away from Abraham easily enough. So for the sacrifice to take place on Mount Moriah that day, Abraham has to be willing to sacrifice his son, and the son has to be willing to be sacrificed by his father. And Isaac submits. He consents. And so he is bound and laying on top of the wood on this altar... And we read in verse 10, Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son your only son, from me. So, last second intervention. Abraham has the knife in his hand. You can almost, you know, the paintings always have him like with the knife raised above his head, ready to plunge it down and kill his son. And the angel of the Lord intervenes and stops it. And we have once again this question, who is this angel of the Lord? Is this angel of the Lord simply a messenger, a creation of God sent to deliver his his word and interact with Abraham? Or is this, in fact, God himself? And we have the answer in the text. Um, First off, the angel says, Now I know that you fear God, which makes it sound like this is just a heavenly creature. 
But then the angel says, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. So it sounds as if this angel of the Lord is representing God, but is also God himself. Which means this angel of the Lord is in fact the pre-incarnate Christ. This is Jesus long before the incarnation, long before he's conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. So, and it's obvious that, that this whole story is foreshadowing the death of Jesus as the angel of the Lord intervenes, as the Son of God intervenes here with Abraham, he says, I have intervened so that you will not lose your only son. I will provide a ram so that you do not lose your son because someday I will be the Lamb of God who does die so that you and your son and all who trust in me can have eternal life. This story is startling enough just with Abraham delivered from sacrificing his son. It's even more startling when the one stopping him is Jesus who says, I'm stopping you from shedding the blood of your son. But when it's time for my blood to be shed, no one will stop it from happening. And that's for the salvation of the world. Anyways, I've, I've now kind of spoiled verse 13 and following, but it was a good time to talk about it. Verse 13, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So, Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So remember, when they were climbing up the mountain and Isaac said, where's the lamb? Abraham said, God will provide a lamb. And he turned out to be prophetic and true because there's a lamb, all right. A really big lamb. It's grown into a ram. And is caught in a thicket by its horns. Now, a couple of things there. I, uh, I haven't really studied up on this, but it's always sounded a little bit suspicious to me that, that a ram strong enough to, and big enough to have horns would actually be caught in a thicket were it not for God's restraining hand. In other words, I would think that a ram with its power, if it got its horns caught in some branches, it could wrench itself loose. So the ram is caught there not because it's really stuck, but because by God's work, that ram consents to be caught. Second, Abraham prophesied it to be a lamb. So this is a ram in size that could get away like Isaac could have gotten away. But in its behavior, it's like a lamb that's willing meekly to go to the slaughter. Because 
If Isaac could have overpowered and outrun 120-year-old Abraham, certainly a ram could do the same thing. But here the son and then the ram submit to God's plan to show us, uh, to, to, to foreshadow Jesus and his death for us. So the ram is sacrificed as Abraham told his servants the two of them, father and son, can return to the servants. And we hear this as, as the uh, story draws to a, a close. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived in Beersheba. So God repeats his promise once again that through Abraham's line, through Isaac, this great nation will be born. Why will this great nation be born? Because although Isaac was sentenced to death by God's command, by God's promise, Isaac is delivered. So it's, it's almost as if on that mountaintop, Isaac dies and rises again because... He's good as dead when Abraham picks up the knife, but he lives by God's grace, and so future generations will be born. It's hardly an original thought on my part. It comes straight out of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 11, verses 17 through 19, we read, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So when Hebrews commends Abraham for faithfully following God's command in Genesis 22, Chapter 11 of Hebrews says, Even had Abraham plunged the knife into his son and killed him, he would have been living by faith that God would raise Isaac from the dead. That's quite a faith Abraham had, and it was a gift of God to him. Now, how does this story point to Christ? Well, certainly, Abraham and Isaac are types of God the Father and God the Son. On behalf of God's promises, on behalf of God's people, Abraham is willing to sacrifice his own son, and Isaac the Son is willing to be sacrificed by his father. This is done in obedience to God's commands and in faith to his promises. Likewise, for us and for our salvation, God the Father is willing to sacrifice his Son on the cross for our sins. 
And God the Son is willing to be sacrificed on the cross for the sins of the world. Second, remember that line from Hebrews 11, 17 through 19 that said um, that Abraham considered that God was able even to raise Isaac from the dead. So, Abraham's confidence that God could even raise Isaac from the dead after that sacrifice foreshadowed the resurrection of Jesus three days after his death. So, in this story of Abraham and Isaac, we have types of both the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. Third, the location of this story points to Jesus as well. Because remember, Abraham is commanded to take Isaac to the land of Moriah, which is the land right around where Solomon builds the temple, which means it's also right around the hill called Calvary or Golgotha, where Jesus is, is crucified in the Gospels. So in, in, uh, in the story of Abraham and Isaac, God is present there as the angel of the Lord with a sacrifice of a ram to save Isaac from death. And in the same area, centuries later, God is present in the form of his only begotten son as the sacrifice to save us from sin and death. Fourth, as Abraham and Isaac make their way to the place of sacrifice, Isaac is the one carrying the wood for the burnt offering. This foreshadows Jesus, who is compelled to carry his cross for his own crucifixion, until, of course, he is physically unable to do so because he's already so beaten and abused and weakened. Fifth, God indeed does provide a lamb. Isaac isn't sacrificed because this, you know, giant lamb on steroids, this full-grown ram is, is submissively caught by its horns in a thicket. Likewise, you and I are delivered because of Jesus, who is called in John 1.29, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And quite a lamb he is. Because if a ram is a gigantic lamb, Jesus as the Lamb of God is also the eternal, all-powerful, almighty only begotten Son of God. Jesus is only a submissive lamb for sacrifice because he chooses to submit for our salvation. He is by far the most powerful, all-powerful lamb. Which, of course, would have us note too that the the uh, the ram is kind of stuck there because he's he's caught um, he's caught in a thicket. By his horns, and, and thicket sounds an awful lot like thorns. So this ram then, if that's true, would kind of be crowned with 
thorns, or at least crowned with thicket, which would also point, of course, to Jesus, who wore that crown of thorns as a reminder that he's, he's uh, paying the price for our sin. All right, so in this passage, we have a ton of different uh, ways that the story points to Christ. With the joy that um, we live with God's promises, that though the Lamb of God was put to death, he rose again on the third day. And for the sake of Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, God has created a great and innumerable people, which we call the church. You and I are numbered among them because the Lamb of God was sacrificed and rose again on the third day. Much to rejoice in in this story because it points to Jesus in so many ways. God grants you every good gift as you meditate upon it further. God grants you every blessing if you are teaching it to others. And until we speak again, the Lord order your days and your deeds in his peace. Amen.